Some of you may remember uh, as we got ready to start the Christmas season that I took us to the book of Job, and we started in the book of Job to, to talk about Christmas and the things I was told by a few people that they thought I had lost my mind, but, uh, and that may be true, but today we're going to go back to Job as we're in the Easter season and allow his words to speak to us and to understand some of the things that are coming from his uh, prophetic proclamation. And you've, as you've listened to the songs even this morning, you've understood and heard that we're proclaiming during this Easter season, we know that our Redeemer lives. We know we have a living Savior, a God who came to this earth, put himself in the hands of mankind in order that he might become the Redeemer of mankind, and he gave his life, rose from the dead, and we'll celebrate throughout this, week, this month, and even into April as we move to Easter, the wonder of what it means to have a living Savior in the things that are going on. As we read the book of Job, and as you're familiar with it, you know all the struggles and all the things that went on in his life and the things that were going on. Job had a an awareness, as you and I do, of the reality of death, that it's something that all of us will face at one time in our life, unless the Lord decides to come before that moment in our life. He understood that that was the result that, was a, uh, that came because of sin in our own life, because mankind chose to rebel against God and sin, death entered into the world, and it was been a part of things that go on in that time, and he understood that reality. In fact, you'll remember that he asked uh, question at one time in his, in his sojourn and the things that were going on. If a man dies, will he live again? He answers his own question a little few chapters later, and that's where we're going to be looking at this morning as we have the opportunity to do so and to think about that together. We're looking in Job chapter 19 and reading in verses 25 and 27 as we do that, but really I'm going to go ahead and back up to 23 and 24 because he makes an amazing statement there in preparation for what he's about to say in the next verses. So I'm going to start at verse 23 instead of verse 25, which is, I guess it's saying up here, it's supposed to be on the screen, I didn't look behind me, but as we see what's going on. So uh, if you would stand with me, let's just honor God's word and, and listen to it. I want to listen to those first two verses so that we're prepared for what he has to say next. In 23 and 24... Job is speaking and he, cry, and he says, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. That with an iron stylus and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. So he's about to say something. And, and the desire of his heart is, he knows how important what he's about to say is. He, he knows the depth of what God has taught him. And, and he's saying that he wished that these words could be written down. He wished they could be remembered. He doesn't want to just say them. And then they're gone in the air and nobody hears or understands what he's been saying. But that he wants them to be remembered in what's going on. And then he picks up in where we are in verse 25. And he says, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. Whom I myself shall behold. And whom my eyes will see and not another. My heart faints within me. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think about these words of Job and what he has said to uh, here as he makes this proclamation in his own life in the midst of all kinds of struggles and problems in a time in his life that not everything is good by any means, a time in which his wife has told him he ought to just go ahead and curse God and die. Others have told him all the things that are wrong with him and the things that are there and yet he stands boldly, confidently to be able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. 
What an amazing word to say. And Father, I'm grateful that we know that today. And I pray that you would just remind us through what he says of some things that we need to keep in our own hearts as we celebrate the wonder of a living Lord, as we recognize that our God does live and that we don't have to worry about anything that goes along. People can go to graves. They can do whatever they want to do, but they'll always find the body, the bones, because only Christ is the living God. We thank you for him in his name. Amen. You know, as we look at this and as we understand what he's saying here, uh, this word is a prophetic word. He's saying, I know my Redeemer lives. Now, you'll remember Job lived hundreds and hundreds of years before the Messiah came to the earth. Long before Jesus Christ made his presentation here on earth in human form, Job is speaking. And he's saying, even then, I know that my Redeemer lives. And so what he's speaking is a, is a prophetic faith. He's saying, I have a confidence within me that the promises of God are true. I understand that when God speaks, God says the things that will happen, and we can t- depend upon his God. The word lives is a word that speaks not only of the time that he's saying, I know in my own heart, in my own mind, that he lives in that future sense, but he's saying, I know he's alive now because, see, Jesus Christ is eternal. He was here before there was a here to be here. He was always a part of what was going on. He's always existed, and he will always exist. He has no ending. He's, he was alive, he lives, and he shall always live. And Job understood that reality as he speaks to this in this time, uh, this living Savior that he's dealing with, and he recognized what he's talking about as he deals with it and talks about the things that are there. He understands some things that are part of that, this prophetic faith. He knows that Jesus has come or will come. And be a part of that. And so let's hear what he has to say as we look at this and and fall back upon the things that he said. He didn't say he lived, and neither should we. He lives. He lives. And we need to keep that always in mind. He lives. He says in that phrase, my. I know my Redeemer lives. That's something you and I need to look into our own hearts about and understand. Can we say my Redeemer? See, a lot of people can talk about Christ. A lot of people can tell you, probably some people can probably tell us more about Christ than you and I can know about Christ. People study, they look, they're, they're religionists, they go through all kinds of things, have all kinds of thoughts, they have lots of knowledge. And you can have a lot of knowledge about Christ. And, and you can have a, a lot of, you can go on the hearsay. I heard this person say this and that person say that. And people are, all kinds of people are saying things. Even Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? There's always people with opinions about who Jesus Christ is and being a part of it and what we look at it and we understand that. But what he is saying, I know that my Redeemer lives. Job is talking about a kinsman Redeemer, one who comes and and pays a price for that which has been lost in order that it can be regained. Job understood that sin had brought to our lives death. And we deserve that death. And we have no way to get ourselves out of the idea of that death and out of that eternal sense of death that comes with it. But Jesus Christ became the kinsman redeemer the Bible talks to us about. And you see that in the book of Ruth talked about a lot. But you come and he becomes our redeemer who pays the price, not with the precious gold and silver and those kind of things the Bible says. But First Peter tells, but he paid it with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, his own blood, paid that price. And so for him to be my redeemer, he has to be my kinsman. So he could, if he's your kinsman, he can redeem you, but he can't redeem me. I can't call him mine until I have a relationship with him personally. Until I myself 
have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ by confessing my sin, by acknowledging that he's Savior, and by accepting what he did upon the cross of Calvary in my behalf, and accepting the forgiveness of God as I plead my cause in Christ's name to be saved, to become a child of God, to be redeemed by this one. And then I can say with everything within me, he's my Redeemer. It doesn't matter if he's my wife's Redeemer. It doesn't matter if he's my children's Redeemer. It doesn't mean a thing to me until he's mine. And that's what Job is talking about. I know that he is my Redeemer. He's mine. He came, he's, I have a personal relationship. I know personally that he belongs to me and I belong to him. And that's what we need to understand as we think about Easter, as we think about life in general, is that you and I need a Savior. And we can talk about a Savior. We can believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. We can proclaim him to be Lord and King and all kinds of things. But until we know without any question that he has become my own, all those things mean nothing. They may be all true. And they are, but they're not true for me until they become mine. And that's what Job is saying. I know that my Redeemer lives. And he goes on, and that, we just take that first part of it, and he says, I know. He knows. He doesn't have any doubt. He's, he's saying, I have a complete confidence that God is my Savior, that he's my Redeemer. I know. He's not saying, I have a hope that he'll be my redeemer. I, I'm wishing he was my redeemer. He's saying, I know beyond a shadow of that. See, he's not even letting doubt have a moment in his mind. He's not letting even creep in a little bit and try to convince him that maybe it might not be true. No, I know. I know that my redeemer lives. And I hope you can say that with that same kind of confidence, that same kind of boldness in your own heart, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that Jesus Christ is alive. That Jesus Christ lives and that he is mine. He's your, he's our redeemer because we have a relationship with him. It's the same words that Paul used when we get into Timothy. And he says, I know that he, referring to the Lord God, is able to take that which I've committed unto him and keep it unto that day. See, Paul was saying, I have a deep abiding confidence. I am certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that those things that I have given to God, my life, my dreams, my hope, my future, all that I am, all that I have committed to Christ, I know that he's able to hold on to that and keep it until the end of time. I know that. And so I can live boldly, I can live calmly. Paul could live out his life in the understanding that he may be stoned, he may be bitten, beaten, he may be put in prison, he may have all kinds of issues in his life, but he was able to stay with confidence to Timothy, his young protege, I know that the God that I serve is able to take everything that I've given to him and hold it for me. And that includes my life, my soul, my eternity. I know he has it in his hands. And I know that nothing can take it away from him. Nothing can remove me from the hands of my God. I have committed to him. And I am confident, I am certain that he holds me in his hand. Can you say that this morning? Do you know that? And do you understand and that you and I need to live in that reality and that confidence that God has done a work for us in Jesus Christ that satisfies all the demands of justice, that satisfies all the demands of holiness, that satisfies everything that needs to be satisfied in order for God to remain the God above all gods, above all things, the righteous, holy, majestic God, everything that needed to be done to satisfy His law, that the death, that sin must be paid with by death has been accomplished in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and because he died and for us and we receive that victory from him when we accept him by faith we can say confidently I know that he's my savior I know that he's my 
Redeemer. Because I've had that personal experience with him. I, I know him. And I know as he speaks that he holds me and keeps me confidently in his hand. What a powerful word that it is. And our hope, our knowledge is in a living Christ. The Bible tells us, say, none of us want to die just hoping. I hope the Bible's true. I hope heaven's real. Of course, there's a whole lot more people that hope it's not because they hope that death just ends in annihilation and when you die, you die and that's it. Then they don't have to face the penalty for anything that they did or didn't do. But the Bible says that life is eternal for everyone. It's just where it is eternal is the issue. See, everyone's going to live eternally in hell or eternally in heaven. No other options. It's just that way it is. God said those who believe in Christ will be saved. And so we don't just hope, we don't just wish. The Bible says in 1 Peter we have a living hope. See, our hope is alive. Our hope is a Savior who lives. Our hope is a Savior who burst forth from the grave and defeated it in order that you and I might know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have a faith that is alive, that is a hope that is real, that what God has promised to us will happen exactly as he said it would happen and that we can look forward to the future and we can deal with whatever comes our way because our God is in control and we know the answer. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear any of those kinds of things because Jesus Christ has taken care of that for us and what he did for us and that we know death becomes simply a passageway as we'll see just in a moment in a scripture I want to refer to so we know and he says and at the last day he will stand on this earth again remember Job's talking about uh, over a thousand years ahead of Christ and he's saying I believe not only that my redeemer lives but that he himself will stand upon this earth that's the first advent that's the Christmas that we talked about earlier that Christ would come and live here on this earth and dwell here among us. But I believe he's looking, as, as God is showing him and, and revealing some things to him, that he's not just looking to that first advent. I think his proclamation is one that goes beyond that first time to the second time that Jesus Christ comes. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that he will stand upon this earth himself again and be king of kings and lord of lords and rule all the nations of this earth and being a part of it. I think he's seeing both of those ideas and the reality of what's going on. I know that my Redeemer lives and there's going to come a time in which he will stand upon this earth himself in his person. He'll be here. He did that in the incarnation and he'll do that again as the returning reign and king and being a part of what's going on. We know those things. That's the celebration. See, when we think about Easter, when we think about all these things, it's not just really a one day or even a few days of a week in which we put aside some special activities and we do some things and we, we celebrate a living Savior. No, when we understand Easter, when we get a hold of Easter, or let, more better than that, let Easter get a hold of us, we begin to realize that our Savior lives. And our Savior has already come to this earth, dwelt upon this earth, died on the cross for us, rose from the dead, and He Himself is coming again. And He Himself will stand upon this earth once again. And those that are His will be with Him forever, and those that aren't will be cast away into the utter darkness for all eternity. And we need to know that and live in that confidence and that hope and the belief of all that's going on. And then in, I think verses 26 and 27 are the ones I, I really like. I, I mean, I, it, I like it all. It's, it's, I know my Redeemer lives. I know what a great thing to know. And I, I'm excited about the fact. I, I just rejoice in the knowledge this morning that I have a living Savior. I am so thrilled to know that he's mine. 
Because he came to me and he gave himself to me as a gift of everlasting life. I know that to be true. But listen to what Job said. I, he, he said, I know my Redeemer lives and, and I know he's coming and there's going to be a time in which he stands upon this earth. But you see, I know I'm going to die. I realize that. And this flesh is going to rot and just be a part of what, what happens to all of us when we die. But I want to tell you something, Job says. I know that in this flesh, I am going to see Jesus myself. See, he believed in the resurrection. It hadn't happened yet, but he believed in it. He believed with everything that was within him that he was going to be brought back from death, that he in his own flesh was going to see the Lord God himself. He, he said, I believe that all things about me will be exactly as God wants them to be. I'll stand before God in a redeemed flesh. I'll stand before God as a whole person. I'll stand before God with everything right that needs to be right. I won't have all these boils and sores and all these things that I've been going through. I won't have any of that anymore. If I've lost a finger, a leg, an arm, I'll, I'll have that, whatever it is, in my flesh, in the fullness of who I am, in the very wholeness of my person. I will stand in the presence of God. Folks, that's good news. You and I are going to face. I do funeral after funeral. I did one Friday. And, and able to tell the people, this grave is not the last word. This grave is not the end. This is not where it's settled. Because there's coming a day when the Bible says God is going to raise that, that flesh and he's going to bring it to life and he's going to live forevermore. Just let me, let Paul speak those words to us as I see that in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the imperishable inherit the imperishable. The perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for he, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable, and the mortal must be put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on imperishable, and the mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death! Is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Job was saying, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? You can't hold me. You have no power over me because my Redeemer lives. Because I have a Savior who has gone to the grave for me, who's faced death, who's faced the grave. He's burst out the end of the grave so that it's open-ended always for those who are in Christ Jesus so that we know that it's just a passageway. It's just a momentary time to close our eyes here and open our eyes in the presence of the living God. For the Bible tells us to be absent from this body is to be present with God. And we know that, that we immediately as Christians go in spirit to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then one day when he returns again, all those who have already gone to sleep, the Bible says he will raise up incorruptible, imperishable, immortal with a body likened unto his own. And we will therefore be with him forever. Never be separated. That's what Job was saying. He didn't know Paul was going to talk about it later. But he already knew what God had told him. That his redeemer was a living redeemer. That his God was a living God. That his God was the God of the living. And that you and I know and have that promise, that confidence that you and I can have forever the, re the reality of what he has done. See, death has no power any longer over the believer. 
Death has no power. The grave has no hold. It cannot keep us in any way. But I like it even better. It gets better. It says, not only do I know that in my flesh I'm going to see that, that I, there's going to be that resurrection. There's going to be that moment in which my body is going to be in the very presence of the living God. But he, he makes it even more personal because then he says, and I myself will see him face to face. Wow. Can you imagine getting to see Christ face to face? To see our Redeemer, our Savior? He didn't say, I'm going to be in a whole group of people and it's, it's going to be joyful to be in heaven and we're going to have a great time in heaven and it's going to be great and all those kind of things and I'm looking forward to that. No, he said, I myself will see my Savior. Isn't it great to know that we have a God who is so personal that every single one of us will see him face to face. That we'll not just have to be at the back of a crowd and see him in a distance and hope that he realizes, hey, we're there, we're there. No, we'll see him face to face. Face to face with Christ my Savior. What an amazing thought. What a great word it is. See, Job is, it, God's using Job to, to say what he's been saying from the very beginning when he told Adam and Eve that there would be a day in which he would provide a Messiah, that he would provide a Savior. And he had already come. He, in Job's mind, he, he could look and he could see and he could be beyond that. Isaiah gets a great vision of that later when God allows him to see the future in Christ Jesus and see that lamb, that sacrificial lamb that will come. And we see that described so wonderfully in Isaiah 53 as he looks prophetically at the crucifixion of Christ Jesus and, and the thing that he did for us. But Job looks beyond just the crucifixion, just the reality that he came, but he looks to the reality that he beat death, he overcame the grave, and that he rose from the dead and that one day he's coming to stand in this place again upon this earth with his feet to rule and to reign forever. And those that are his, including Job, he says, I'm going to see him face to face. Wow. I hope you are. I hope you know that you know that you know that your Redeemer lives and that he's yours. He's not your parents. He's not your children's or your grandparents or your friends but he's yours. And the only way he can be yours is for you to make a personal commitment to him because he has to be yours. It's mine. can't live on the faith of your, of your parents. You can't live on the faith of your heritage. You can't live on the faith of being a member of a church. You can only live on the reality that I myself have trusted Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And he's my Redeemer. And because he's my Redeemer, I know today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, people can argue with me, people can quote things at me, talk about all kinds of philosophical things, and it doesn't bother me whatsoever. I don't mind them being wrong. Because you see, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that he will stand upon this earth again. And I know that I will see him face to face. Lord and Savior. And I can't hardly wait. For the moment to come. He's my Savior. He's my Lord and He's my God. And that's what we celebrate. That's what Easter is about. And, it's not, and again, it ought to be about that all the time. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. He's alive every week. And we need to know and understand the power of a living Savior. My Redeemer lives. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we gather together and we thank you for the privilege of, of fellowship and worship and music and the communion and prayer and just 
Father, just the opportunity to be the people of God together as a people of God. And what a joy it is when we get to meet. Father, I, I just want to thank you this morning. I just want to praise you this morning for the fact that we meet here and we, we enjoy one another's company and fellowship and we enjoy communion and, and the ability to sing praises and, and to study your word and all those things because you're alive. Because you're living within us. And you're coming again. And we know that our Redeemer lives. He lives. Father, you're, you have given us the promise, the confidence, the assurance You've demonstrated it to us. You've allowed us now to have the power of the living spirit of God dwelling within us. That we know that livingness of Christ even now because he lives within us. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know that or anyone who might be watching by Facebook or whatever ways they may be that, don't, that do not have that confidence, that do not know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is their redeemer that they will stand in his presence one day face to face as a child redeemed by God for all eternity. That they would make that right this morning. They wouldn't wait any longer to get right with you. Father, as we sing a time of invitation, words of just that speak to our hearts, don't let us just hear the words to the song, but let us hear the speaking of your spirit to our spirit so that we might know what it is you would have us to do as a result of what you're teaching us and working out in our lives. And I pray that in Christ's name.